previously. I remember rapping as a kid. It was that era when hip hop had just hit the scene. I also remember skateboarding. The gangs were all around us and their territories were mapped out. And we were just beginning to figure things out. When rap music touched down, there was no East Coast, West Coast. It was just rap. That's how I remember it. The violence of the 1990s. Police told Expose that Hispanic gangs are killing in record numbers. I remember at these neighborhood parties, they do some like Soul Train line type shit. Like all the homies on one side and all the homegirls or, or, or the homies dates on the other side. Fools used to pull up asking for their frios and $50 pour bottles, sherm sticks, angel dust, wet butt naked. We was always on that 211 mode. Whether it was like armed robberies, strong armed robberies, you know, burglaries. My homeboy Sporty and my bro Poison, Venom, had a rap group called Homies. And I had my own called 213. We would hang out in my aunt's garage and watch rap videos, write and spit rhymes. And one day, we decided to be a single group and we combined the names and became Homies 213. You know, we linked back up with Motivate. We went and bought a, a Rolling S550, a Tascam 4-track recorder, a couple of mics, a couple of headphone sets, uh, a tape deck, turntables, cables, and a bunch of other shit. And then from there, you know, Homies 2 and 3 started dropping all kinds of demos, left and right. With my familia, now I got to draw the line. My wicked is mine, it's the deadly, it's kind. My battle shady boy in a sender. I think Conejo was the first dude to be able to lay down uh, Spanish words at the right place in the rap, you know, like the, the punchline. He, he was good for that. I got a gun in my pocket, but I don't tell nobody. I just, it was just like normal, you know, we're, we're driving around and, and uh, Motivate had this, um, this Camry. Like I said, this is the 90s, motherfuckers was deep. It was super deep out there, all serving, this was like, Fools used to curb surf like crazy back then. The helicopters up in the sky. And then I told my I told my boy Psycho, like, man, fool, I got a, you know, I got a, a blammer on me. And he's like, man, put that shit in your shoe. And I remember at that point I had it in my back pocket. As I'm ordering the, the food, they hand me the drink. So I had like a large drink. As soon as they gave me the drink, I popped that fool in the head with the drink. And I just I flight at that fool. I took off on him, you know? And then um, I remember his girl threw a napkin dispenser at me. I picked that shit up, I banged that bitch in the head. Inside, a sinister mind. Inside, a sinister mind. Inside, a sinister mind. You are now tuned in to a sinister mind. Inside, a sinister mind. Inside, a sinister mind Inside, a sinister mind You are now tuned in to a sinister mind What can I say? I ended up going to prison I recall being in reception And spinning rhymes for the homies They would always want to hear that song It all comes back I guess you could say It resonated with them my term was coming to an end, 
I was sent down to Chino CIM, and from there, a halfway house in Hollywood. It was right there on Vine and Franklin, up the street from the iconic Capitol Records building. There was two gangs in the proximity. To the east was Westside TMC, the Magician's Club. To the west was Westside 18, Hollywood Gangsters. So you know you had to move with caution. Come on, it was the 90s. By now, Motivate was living in Eagle Rock, and I was eager to get in the studio. By now, the era of the MPC had come into play. There was only two ways of getting out for hours at a time from the halfway house. One was working 40 hours a week, and they would give you a 36-hour pass to go home on the weekend. The other was to go job hunting every day. So it's basically like this. You would find these, I don't know if I was going in the yellow pages. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the yellow pages. You would find these, like let's just say you'd find fucking McDonald's in Long Beach. And then you'd write, then from there you're gonna go to fucking Jack in a Box in El Monte. So you would make sure that you put all these addresses that were all far as fuck from each other. So they they thought that you'd be traveling by bus to all these places. So you know they would they would have added up and they'd be like, okay, we're gonna give you nine to ten hours to be out all day. And they'd give you this sheet of paper where basically you would have to get like signatures from the people, from the you know, supervisors or managers of these places that you were gonna go look for a job at. So, you know, that's that that number two is the option I took before I got a 40 hour a week job. So I would hit a bandit, bandit would be waiting for me around the corner. So I get up early, I leave around like seven, eight o'clock. Bandit would be right around the corner. I jump in the truck with Bandit. We'd head to Melrose, go buy vinyl, smoke some weed, get blown, go have some breakfast, IHOP, or some shit like that. And then we head over to Eagle Rock to motivate. And then this is when we started working on the Shady album. Conejo's music is part of some of the dopest underground hip hop, Chicano rap I've ever listened to in my whole life, pretty much. You gotta understand the reason for the Shady album. While I was in prison, my brother got convicted of a murder and he got 33 to life. So I get out and, and, and you know, it was a concept album of our time. And, and it was a dedication to my bro, you know? And you know, like this project, a lot of people say that this is my Illmatic. You know, like Nas has his Illmatic. A lot of people say that this is mine. Well, the first thing that came to my mind, I was like, who is he? And that, it, it was over. Who is Conejo? Then I looked him up. He is the true definition of underground hip-hop. He is the true definition of hardcore hip-hop. I remember pulling up to, to Eagle Rock and actually working on, on the Shady song, the one turned stone. The My mind just erupted, like... You know, hearing these beats for the first time, and and you know, Motivate's production is is impeccable. You know, it's you know, it's just top of the line and shit. You know what I'm saying? I first heard the Shady album back in the '90s. I was about 13 years old in junior high. One of my homies had it on cassette. After hearing it, 
I realized Conejo was like no other artist. You listen to tracks like 8 Million Stories, Conejo, Shady, Wind of Death. He's descriptive. He's painting that picture. He's he's putting a movie in your head. To this day, that album I still listen to. It stood the test of time. That album is well over 20 years old. And it's still better than the stuff you hear out now. There was a lot of ups and downs at this halfway house. So I ended up getting a job, you know, the, the 40 hour thing. And then like one day after work, like we're headed back to the halfway house. Cause it, it was basically like all employees from the halfway house. We're going back to the, we're going back over there. And um, a racial riot pops off between between the, the homies and, and, and the blacks, you know? And then, um. After that, I, I get sent back to, I go back to Chino for some like medical, like, you know, they, and from there I get sent to another halfway house. But this time it was in the valley, you know, right off the four or five, the Roscoe exit. And let me see, to the south, they had a, they had a, a clique, the La Mara Salvatucha, they, they had a hood right there. Um, Roscoe and Sepulveda. This is back in the days. I, I don't I don't know if they're still there or if that's still the hood. To the east, if you keep on going straight, you would eventually hit um Langdon Street hood. So you know they, they, these were like dope infested areas where like like you know crack rock was, was being sold, like curb serving and all that shit, you know? This episode was brought to you by Bonnaroo.org Make sure you check out our newly designed store and merchandise Inside a sinister mind, Patreon A hub that offers produced video, behind the scenes content Get in depth music and lyric breakdown episodes Subscribers will get to download exclusive music soundtracks So for more information, you already know Inside a sinister mind.com. So this halfway house I was sent to was something else. At times, I just felt like it'd be better if I just go back to prison of how petty they were, you know? The first halfway house in Hollywood, the whole staff was Jamaican and and they didn't test for weed, you know? So I, man, I'd be high as fuck. They test you for everything else, everything else, except for that. As a matter of fact, I even got caught smoking weed one time in the bathroom, you know? Like, I, my, my room was on the second floor, and I'm over here puffing in the bathroom, blowing the smoke out the window, and one of the staff members is, like, directly under me. He goes straight up there and catches me and, like, two of the homies smoking weed. You know, they gave us a little write-up and shit, but but they weren't even tripping, you know? But now, at, at the one in the valley over there on Roscoe, like, they were petty. Like, the place even looked like a fucking facility. The one in Hollywood looked like a house with a gang of rooms in it. This one over here looked like like a mini reception center type. Because there'd be like the rooms will have like, I would say about 20 bunks in them. And then you had like a locker like right next to them where you would keep your shit. And you know, it, like again, it was the 90s. So, you know, you, you, you have to be real cautious with your movements because... The, the, the fools from MS were fucking active as fuck and they knew that that was just like the Hollywood one. The Hollywood one, the 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 Hollywood gangster 18 streets knew that that was a halfway house and they'd be 
fools from all kinds of hoods up in there. So they always did the rounds and if, you know, they caught you slipping then, then, you know, you already know. So it, it was the same thing over there on Roscoe and Sepulveda with, with the Maras, you know. They knew that that was the halfway house and there was like at least 80% of whoever was in there was probably their enemy, you know. So they was always doing the rounds and, you know, there's a couple situations that happened, but but I, I ain't gonna talk about them here, you know? But maybe if one day we ever meet, you know, personally, I might share some of those stories with you. You know, just remind me. Go back to the Shady album, you know? Corneo works hard, man. Like, you know, it's amazing how this guy has so many albums I didn't even realize. You know, we used to, back in the day, we used to be uh, up in the studio, like, almost every day uh making making songs and you know before you know it you know you're working so hard like day after day you know then you come up you know you end up with seven or eight projects i finally make my way out of the halfway house get released i'm on parole and um and you know i'm i'm, fin I'm finishing up this album now so I remember um, it was it was like 90% DJ Motivate. And then my boy China White, and now my bro Bandit, Bandit was started producing. Before he was just like, you know, he, he's fine the loops and shit like that. But now he was just producing. So that song, El Barrio Mas Chingon, that's on, on, that, on the Shady album, was produced by China White, but it was co-produced by Bandit. And, and there's a you know there's a little backstory to to that song El Barrio Mas Chingon because um okay th this how it is there was a there was a song called Get Down which was um you know there was like a homies two and three song basically it was Venom my homeboy Sporty A.K. Pelon and me but if you listen to if you listen to um if you listen to the to, to Pelon's verse, it says it. Simon, Simon said, yo soy ese Pelon de la calle 25, del barro más chingón. You know, so, so me, I, I snatched that hook and put it on this other beat, you know? And you know, and actually that verse, Venom wrote that verse for, for Pelon. Um, that, that's my understanding of it, you know? Because we would do that, you know? Venom's wrote so many fucking hooks for me like crazy like sometimes it'd be like even when i was on the run and me and venom would, we were together he'd like be spitting some shit and i'd be like hey hold up hold up let me get that and he'd be like nah fool i'd be like come on fool let me get that and you know he let me get those eight bars he would spit it or i would spit it you know like one was um what is what's the name of that song mi vida es un desmadre after bootlegs volume one that was really from a from a from a poison verse, from a veneno verse, you know? But he let me like snatch that up and he, and he spit it on, on that song. So, like I said, okay, China White, Bandit, they do that. Quick side note. El Barrio Mas Chingon was produced on the day that homies two and three robbed the connect. That day, we had all kinds of motherfucking goodies. So it was like a, a drug party slash studio session you know 
Just imagine what we were on, and we were on that shit. So that's how that the keys were played on that on the hook. His work ethic is, you know, very driven, hard, and focused. You know, like, you know, we're, even though we're having fun, you know, the the, the drive is just so there. Then I end up linking up with with. Um, legendary producer coming out of Santa Monica, Ernie G. And then like me and Ernie G, we fucking hit it off, you know, like right away, you know, and um... Killer from the West was probably one of the songs that I produced outside of Proper Dos. And actually was the first song I ever produced for G-Raps, first song ever. You know, I, I would go to that studio over there and, and I, I'm thinking it was Alhambra. Uh, Steve Yano owned that. I had kind of asked Steve Yano to let me borrow the studio for that day and I had my own reel and he was cool enough to uh, let us borrow the studio. Steve Yano used to be fucking scared of me, you know? He once caught me in the bathroom fucking um, getting high, like fixing and shit. I think that was the time he caught you you getting all smacked back in the bathroom. Uh, but he didn't understand, so I had to kind of let him know, like, nah, it's okay, Steve, it's okay, don't worry about that. It might look bad, but... I mean, you know, I had to finesse it. I remember, like, he opened the door, then he did, he did the moonwalk. He reversed, went straight to, like, the other door, which was where they had the, the board, and where we're, we're doing the song. And fucking was like Ernie, he was, he was on Ernie, he was like, hey, smoking weed is one thing, but, you know, your boy over there on some other shit, like, so, you know, at first, I, I think Steve, y'all know, he wanted to fuck with me, honestly, but then he was just like, nah, this fool's, this fool over here wilding out, this fool's on some, like, you know, gangbang mode, and, and just, you know, I was on my West Side shit. You know, and, and like I said, it was the 90s, you know, so. I remember that I didn't I didn't actually know. I mean, I knew what the fuck I was doing, but you never know that that shit's going to fucking manifest itself into a classic, you know, Killer from the West. A lot of this shit was on the fly, dog. Like the sample was on the fly just to be like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. But a lot of times, like. Oops, uh, you know, you guys don't say nothing, nobody says nothing. Sounds good to me. But it happens, man, because it just manifests itself into something. So, you know, I, I remember that night. That was the night that we produced Killer from the West, you know? And uh, I remember it was, it's the vibe, dog. It's the vibe. And you don't know it at the time. You think that it's always going to happen with any other rapper, and it doesn't, dog. It's a vibe that only you and that other person has or the other group has. And those are rare, man. Those are very rare. So it can't be duplicated, you know? It was a time. It's like a snapshot of what was going on. You know, we end up 
doing that song and we end up throwing that song on the Shady album, you know, so. At the time, it was all real, you know? We were living that shit. I would say that that maybe that album is my own manic, you know? Just the, just the production, the whole vibe, the concepts, like. And he's such a great storyteller that he captures you and he brings you into his world, you know? The Killer from the West, definitely. That hood classic, that Ernie G and Conejo. Custom made for the streets, right? I always like when he said that. It's dope. Side note. I remember this one day, like, we had um, basically, like, collected money from the whole hood, from all the homies, all that shit. And then I had made this flyer. Like, this flyer looked like a fucking page out of Teen Angel magazine, basically. So it said, like, Harpies, Dead, and Wild Bunch. All the clicks, like a bunch of the homies' names, and um, a couple homies had just paroled, so we, you know, we we mentioned that on the flyer, and then um, so with all the all the funds we had got, we went out to that to that Astros where you could rent all that like speakers and all that shit. Ernie G brought his his um, turntables, some of his equipment. I took all my system because back then you had to take your system to. Uh to wherever you were DJing a party and we were over there we threw a straight fucking hood party in the dead and on Juliet everybody was there all the fucking homies had pulled up deep as fuck y me acuerdo que you know we had a vinyl we had a vinyl made for, for the Shady album and and then you know so we, we playing it the homies already loved it you know it, it, it was already it, it was already like that go-to shit in the hood, like homies were smoking primos to that shit and everything. Pero just imagine this. Imagine a hundred gangbangers singing the hook to El Barrio Mas Chingon. Simón, Simón, ese yo soy ese pelón de la calle 25, del Barrio Mas Chingon. No matter if they were from other cliques, they were all saying it at the same fucking time. And and the song will finish and the homies will be like, play that motherfucker one more time. Man, they were playing that song like 10 times, 15 times, back to back. I got so many records that it'd be hard sometimes to tap into that era and try to recapture that mind frame that I was in. The Shady album was my introduction to the world. And honestly, I never realized what kind of impact that it had made till now that I came back. You know the story. Compare it kind of to uh, a Tupac in a way. From the um, when Tupac uh, did the Machiavelli album and then he, he sort of disappeared. You know, he passed away, but then records still kept coming up and coming up and coming up. I almost looked at it like that. Like he was like the he was like I call him the Mexican Tupac, and I'm sure a lot of people do. You know, only thing is that he was able to resurrect himself. Like uh, from the old Conejo into the new Conejo. I've dropped several official projects since my return, one being that West Adams. But when I did that last nightmare before Christmas show in LA at the Regent, 
and I came out doing songs like One Touch Stone. My mind just erupted off that Shady album. Motherfuckers went crazy. I could tell resonated with them heavy. In that realm, uh, I noticed that his fans uh, uh, have they really listen to him you know like you know like his words and, and his actions you know they really respect uh you know what conejo has given to the market to the latin market especially you know within the hip-hop market you know just like tupac man you know he he touched a lot of people's heart you know and he the words he said and he touched a lot of people man and that's kind of what what i i've seen uh conejo do not only in the latin market but uh with within the uh you know national you know the the worldwide market because Conejo reaches to other countries you know he's got fans in Russia Iran Dubai uh Japan you know he's got fans everywhere so you know he's a representative of of the Latin community man and and uh this is what I feel uh is is most fantastic about about Conejo now it's new things on the horizon, but I don't think I'll ever stop making music, though. I really think Conejo um, has really come into his own, and and now he he went from uh, he went from the underworld and transitioned himself, you know, up to the next level, man. And I'm very proud of him. If you're just getting to know Conejo, know that. I have a plethora of street gems, an immense catalog. For reals, my work speaks for itself. And if you're trying to figure out where to start, start with that Shady album. That's the true foundation of everything I've accomplished. He showed, you know, he showed that, you know, look, man, you could come from a gang and and and, and make it all the way up there and be, you know, and, you know, change your life and do all this, that, and the other. But the funny thing is, is that that was my main objective with working with these cats. It's like, look, I wanted my loft to be the place where where they could come and just, you know, be around something different and, you know, could, and be around and, and see something different. And I feel like uh, Conejo today is a product of, of what I saw in him in the beginning back in 1990, 91. So, you know, it really makes me proud to see that that my thoughts and of seeing him seeing the potential in him grew so as big as it did like i'm i'm completely honored and it's and it's true to life that dj motivate you know while i don't i don't have the power to to uh make you famous i have the power to prepare you for the fame it's king mom E aí chegamos, haciendo brujería como los cubanos So tell your bitch, pa' eso estamos Conectado con la maña, so we got them cuadros That's a mind state, estado mental Motherfuckers on that ice, tryna get a señal Pero se pierden, right from the gate Flying weight on a state, H1 of the great Se pone grave, jefe mueve con clave If I say the magic word, aterriza mi nave Se roca, mi placa sus la coca Homie, se te rafaja sus y pa' bajo mi contra Pagas cuota, la última cuota El comando Naracho, elimina tu tropa Oh no, them boys know the time You are now tuned in to a sinister mind This episode is brought to you by Bonnaroo.org Make sure you check out our newly designed store and merchandise Inside a sinister mind
mind Patreon, a hub that offers produced video, behind the scenes content, get in depth music and lyric breakdown episodes. Subscribe and forget to download exclusive music soundtracks. So for more information, you already know. Inside, a sinistermind.com.